0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin County Medical Center, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin County Medical Center. With more healthy matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden is your host. Good morning, uh, Dr. Hilden. Good Good morning, Denny.
0: Nice morning. It's a gorgeous morning,
1: isn't it? It's not officially summer, but it sure feels like
0: it. Yeah, it really does. It's been a nice warm weekend up here in the upper Midwest uh, where many of us are listening.
1: How Uh, have things been uh, this week in the hospital?
0: Things have been good. It's been a, um, uh, uh, we've had our, uh, it's sort of end of year stuff. You know, I know hospitals run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every day of the year. But we're also a teaching hospital. That's right. Yeah. And so when you're a teaching hospital, June is graduation time. You know, uh-huh. you know, we have a new crop of doctors graduating, you know, dozens of them. In internal medicine, there's about 19 or 20 that are graduating. And then in a month, another new crop of interns comes in. And the medical students are all graduating from the medical school. And so it's sort of a festive end of year time at the hospital. The, um, and amid all that, we continue to care for all the patients. So it's a it's a fun
1: time. Is it kind of like getting out of boot camp? A little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit like the
0: you know the the interns at the end of their first year that you know they all look a little shell shocked, you know, because it's a, it's a pretty big learning curve sure. after medical school. You go to what? 8 years of college. 4 years of medical school, 4 years of medical school, and then you're not done. You have another 3 years in that first year of your post medical school training is called internship where you're responsible for everything except your You've never seen a real-life patient, and you know, you've you never written a prescription before. And so you do it under the, the guidance of the faculty. So you're not all by yourself. And if you're a patient out there, you don't have to worry about it. You're actually getting better care at a teaching hospital. But it's still it's scary for the interns. Oh, I There is actually a new study that says uh, – it's not a new study, it's, um, but I read about it just a few months ago – that the care at teaching hospitals is probably better than at non-teaching hospitals. Everybody says – I don't want, you know, I don't want anybody practicing on me. No. But when you go to a teaching hospital, you get a highly trained mm-hmm. intern and resident and a staff doctor. You get a team of people looking at you who are all Learn not learning um, what to do, but they are applying what they know that's the latest medical knowledge, it's the latest medical evidence, and they're applying it to you. And when you go to another hospital, you might get one doctor who's seeing patients yeah. during the day and comes in only once or twice, swoops in and out, maybe isn't as recently on top of the medical um, science. So teaching hospitals probably are actually higher. Yeah. In general, um, you get great care. So that's what's been going on at the hospital, and I have one of those teachers with me today.
1: And what are we going to be talking about?
0: We're going about? to talk about falls in the elderly and um, other related topics to getting older. And um, so I have Dr. Larry Kersner, who is the division director of of the geriatric medicine division at HCMC. He is one of the, those teachers I've been talking about. Um, he's made care of seniors the lifelong focus of his career. I've known him the entirety of my time. In fact, he was one of my teachers um, he teaches residents, he teaches fellows and students in geriatric medicine. He's nationally known as serving in leadership roles in, in uh, professional organizations, serving seniors. And again, he runs our our entire program of geriatrics at HCMC. And um, I'm going to say this because uh, at that end of year stuff we do at the hospital, at teaching hospitals, we give a series of awards to the best resident, the best this, the best that, the best this. And Dr. Kersner just two days ago was named uh, the award winner this year of our Clinical Excellence Award, which is, which is given to simply one doctor who role models what it means to be a great doctor. And it was Dr. Kirzner. So, Larry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. I'm so
2: glad to be here.
0: It's great to have me. And, and all these years on the show, this is the first time I've been able to convince Dr. Kirzner to come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked you a few times before now. So tell us about yourself a little bit, Larry. You know, how would you end up at HCMC? Where would you do your training? Oh, and how would you end up in Minnesota? Thanks,
2: Thanks Dave. Uh, I went to medical school at Georgetown and spent 20 years at Boston University on the staff in uh, geriatric medicine and came to Minnesota for an adventure. My wife and I said, uh, let's do something different. Not Uh, this East Coast excitement. You want to come to here. And it's a tremendous adventure. We've had a great time here. It's lovely community, wonderful professionalism. The people are fabulous. Our kids have grown and thrived. It was absolutely the best move, and
0: possible. you stayed you stayed here you you know you've been here what hum 20, uh, 20 years twenty, 20 years, years in Minnesota? A little
2: over twenty years yeah.
0: and geriatric medicine did you always um, know you wanted to to care for older adults, or how did you get into that?
2: Well, I was originally trained in infectious diseases and uh, realized that uh, infections in older people uh, were a significant part of the illness that they uh, uh, experienced and uh, took a tour through a long-term care facility and realized if I'm going to be the best doctor I can be, I should study these areas for a while. And uh, that turned into a career, shifted my entire focus into uh, senior care and uh, uh, education. I was close to grandparents, raised close to grandparents. Mm-hmm. We visited frequently and had a good sense. Um, and I love old people.
0: Yeah, I love old people too. And I bet there's two or three who are listening into our show today. Um, I don't do. I'm not sure that everybody knows about the specialty of geriatrics. I bet there's a lot of people out there who who see their regular doctor. I'm sure they love their family doctor, their internist, but. What what is a geriatrician all about? Do you get extra training?
2: Thanks for asking that question. It's a it's a great question. Um, uh, geriatric medicine is a, now a specialty within family medicine and internal medicine, and uh, people who have physicians who have completed family medicine or internal medicine can elect an additional year of training, and uh, during this year of training, they focus on all aspects of senior care, from uh, thinking aspects to Uh, psychological aspects to functional aspects, which means how they help people take care of their daily activities to all other sorts of health and illness and aging. And so these are real specialists in, uh, in senior care. Uh, General internal medicine doctors and family physicians certainly care for uh, many seniors, but uh, sometimes people uh, need or want uh, additional specialty evaluation, and uh, geriatricians are available for that.
0: Do most places have – I know at HCMC, we have a robust geriatrics division, and um, is that common? Um, Do most –
2: well, it's it's quite Hospitals uncommon, actually. There are there are uh, nationally 140 training programs in uh, geriatric medicine, based at uh, m- universities and uh, major medical centers. Uh, we train uh, approximately 250 to 300 geriatricians nationally each year. So the number that are trained are. Clearly, do not uh, re, uh, sufficient for the for so, the need for the sounds aging woefully inadequate. Tr- Two three hundred geriatricians are trained per yeah, year. It's a it's a lamentation.
0: Yeah, and nationwide. <laughs> nationwide. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, um, our focus today. You now, we could talk about darn near anything, but what we thought we would do today is is focus on falls and um, and why that's a big deal. And I was t- asking you off the air. I said, you know. Falls in, in seniors are, are relatively common and have a lot of consequences, but when you hear it, it doesn't strike terror in your heart. You don't you don't think, oh my gosh, my father had a heart attack or my grandmother has cancer. Those are bad. Falls ah uh, yeah, so what, they fell. But it's not the case that it's just a benign thing, falls.
2: Well, falls may not strike terror. In the heart of younger people, but it certainly does in older people. Mm-hmm. many older people recognize uh oh, a fall that's a serious event and uh, uh, a harbinger, meaning a predictor of something bad that that is likely going to happen um, uh, and, and people uh, frequently uh, are fearful of falling, right. Uh, uh, a, a fear of falling uh, limits their activities, limits their out-of-house activities, uh, curtails uh, what they want to do. It's called what we call self-efficacy, the uh, ability to maintain oneself in the community.
0: Mm-hmm. Is, is it common? I mean, you know, uh, how, how common is, is well, falls? Well, it's more
2: common than you think. Yeah. Uh, a third of people over age 65 fall each year, one-third. And the numbers increase uh, as people get older. And uh, falls are associated with significant injuries about uh, a third of those who fall need medical attention um, and five to ten percent of those have uh, much more serious illnesses such injuries such as fractures such as brain injuries and the fractures are not only bones they're neck fractures and head injuries and that 's a very significant uh, debility
0: that number you just that was staggering a third of the people over sixty five and then, and, and of those, a significant number, 5%, 10% are going to have something pretty bad. It's an epidemic of falls. That's an enormous number when you think about how many people are over age 65. Yeah.
2: This is a major public health issue. The Center for Disease Control has identified it as a major public health issue. The National Institute of Health and National Institute of Aging have identified it as a public health uh, issue. And here in Minnesota, the Department of Health and uh, Minnesota Board on Aging have identified this as very significant public health uh, areas of concern
0: when you I know I do most of my care on hospitalized patients and one of the things we talk about and listeners might not realize how big a deal this is even when you're in the hospital uh, we talk about it every day on every patient we talk about Mrs. Jones Mr. Smith um, uh, what are he's got pneumonia he's got this he's got that what are his risks for falling We talk about it every day on on everybody because it is um, a big deal. And that's just in the hospital.
2: Most falls happen out in the community. Most falls do happen in the community. And the discussion today that I'm going to be focusing on is community-based falls. So
0: how does one – what are some of the risks that make people fall?
2: Well, anybody who has a walking problem is at risk of falling. If you feel like you have some difficulty with walking or your balance, that's a a risk. Certainly if you've had – a single fall—that's a—that's a significant for having risk. another one. For having another fall, that's exactly right. If you fall in once in a year, the risk is—that's the—that's actually the best predictor of subsequent falls. People are taking multiple medications. Uh, may be a risk for falls. There are a whole host of other kinds of illnesses and problems that can be risk. We're
0: going to talk much more about falls with my guest, Doctor Larry Kirzner. I think it's time for a break, according to my good friend Denny. I think yes, is it about
1: time? It is. And while we head to this break, why don't we uh, invite our listeners to join in on the conversation uh, by phone or by text six five one nine eight nine nine two two six Uh, We've cleared the line, so if you'd like to use them, uh, please do, 651-989-9226. Or send a text, if that's easier, 81807 for your text messages, 81807. CCO temperature reading currently 65. We're heading for 87 later today. And welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. We're talking about, among other things, uh, concerns about falls in older adults. And again, welcoming your phone calls and text messages. We're already getting both. Uh, phone number is 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Here again is Dr. Hilda.
0: Thank you, Danny. And I'm talking to my colleague, Dr. Larry Kersner, who is the chief of uh, geriatric medicine at HCMC. Um, About falls. Now, we started, uh, Larry, talking before the break about some of the reasons that make people fall. You said if people have trouble walking, if they've fallen before, you said medications. Are these all inevitable aspects of getting older? Is there anything we can do?
2: Well, uh, uh, certainly people in there's an increased risk of falling as people age, but it's not inevitable. Uh, Many of these risk factors are what are considered modifiable. Uh, We can't eliminate uh, entirely the risk for falls, but we can certainly decrease the risk for falls. And there's lots of scientific evidence over many years that have developed a, a framework for understanding this, a structured framework for working through how to reduce the risk factors for falls. In the same way, we've learned how to reduce risk factors for heart disease and stroke we can reduce the risk factors of falls. We may not be able to eliminate all of all mm-hmm. of these events, but certainly can decrease the likelihood that they are going to occur and impact people's lives.
0: Are there things people can do at their home to modify
2: their home environment? Absolutely, absolutely uh, There's a, a a whole structure for uh, developing home safety light lights at night night light night night lights at light at night, eliminating uh, trip trip hazards. Uh, such as uh, throw rugs, uh, uh, slippery rugs, cords uh, ar- around which people may may strip on.
0: You know, some things it sounds kind of <laughs> simple, but but we probably don't do. You know, lots of times people have to get up in the night to use the restroom, and and it's dark, and your vision might be not be everything it was anyway. And there's a rug. This is in the, the, the nightlight issue, or in my case, there's a
2: dog in the way. <laughs> That that has happened. Tripping on
0: the dog, you know, I'm doing that now. I'm doing that. So there are some things. Um, uh, What about medications? Is there an effect of medications on falls? Because lots of seniors um, are taking meds.
2: It it turns out uh, simply the number of medications that people take may be a risk factor. While there there certainly are medications that are associated with uh, falls, uh, relative to blood pressure control, relative to thinking problems, the totality of medicine seems to be a risk factor. And one approach is to try to look very careful for physicians to look very carefully at the the, the amount and number of medications people are taking and work towards using only those medications that are that are clearly important for their health.
0: I know you've probably seen this a zillion times too, but you know patients come in and I bet they do in your geriatrics practice and they have this whole list of medications and sometimes um, we're not even sure why you're on them all, but one doctor started one thing. Then you went to the hospital and they started another thing. And then another doctor started another thing and started, they start piling up. And maybe some of them are just really important and maybe – but some of them might not be. So doing a good medication review is probably a good idea.
2: Not only the review, I encourage all of my patients to bring all their medicines the doctors visit each and every time and there's a process by which we work uh, over a period of time to try to analyze uh, look at uh, the uh, value and need of each particular medicine and uh, gradually uh, tailor it more specifically to the person's need trying to reduce medications
0: right because they all have side effects there's not a medication yet invented that doesn't have one and some of them interact and you're taking a whole bunch of them i think that's a that's a really important point to absolutely. do that
2: absolutely absolutely
0: what about um we have a few text messages. I have a couple more questions I want to ask you. We have a few more questions about um, uh, would it be, imp- this one's about dehydration from the text line. Is dehydration a risk for falling? And would, would it be helpful if doctors would routinely suggest the importance of drinking water? Is dehydration more of a problem than we think regarding our balance? Well, what are your thoughts uh, on that?
2: It, it's always, always a potential issue. Uh, and in some people, it may be more important than others. Some, some uh, people are more prone to uh, volume depletion, dehydration, the medicines that com- can promote that. Uh, but certainly excess uh, fluid intake can be a problem as well. So it's a strikes a balance and it's a topic to be uh, inquiring about with your physician. Mm-hmm. So part of the falls risk assessment is uh, 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 amount of volume that people are taking in. We have another
0: question from the text lines about ice and snow. Since you know, you used to live in Washington D.C. when you went to school at Georgetown, then you were out in Boston, so you've been in some icy places. Are falls, you know, are is it more of a problem in the winter? With ice and
2: snow. Surprisingly, in Minnesota, there are more falls in people over 65 during the summer months really? than in the winter. I have the, the data right here. And um, perhaps uh, – OK. Convince are, me of that. Yeah, why? More, more active out and about, uh, uh, tripping over more dogs. Uh, <laughs> maybe we stay inside more in the winter. Uh, it's unknown Why? But uh, interestingly enough, it, it seems a little bit higher in the, in the summer.
0: That, that is interesting. I wouldn't have probably thought yeah. that. But, um, but I guess you could see why that is. Maybe in the wintertime, seniors aren't getting out as much. You're staying in. It's dark in the evening, so you're staying home a little bit more and you're not outside yeah. as much.
2: Certainly, uh, the, the ice and snow are a, a significant risk factor, of course.
0: After the break, um, after our top of the hour break, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the consequences, what can happen when you fall and what uh, what are some of the dangers to doing that. Maybe before the break, why don't we take a few of
1: the phone calls? Sure, let's do that. Pat in Minneapolis is uh, first up here. Uh, good morning, Pat.
3: Yeah, um, I'm a cancer survivor of 15 years, gratefully, but um, I have pretty bad neuropathy in my feet and hands, and I have fallen several times due to that. And I'm just wondering if there's any new treatments for neuropathy?
2: Oh, thank, you. thank you so much for sharing that uh, situation. And uh, so, ha- so happy that you uh, survived and doing, doing well, but uh, have a residual, as, as you point out, and it's uh, very common. Neuropathy is actually a uh, very common uh, problem in uh, older people, not only related to the, uh, the side effects of cancer chemotherapy, but uh, uh, from aging, from diabetes, uh, from uh, excessive alcohol. Uh, one of the important things that we've learned is the value of balance exercises. Uh, people think about we think about strength and endurance and flexibility, and we frequently forget about balance. Balance is remarkably trainable. How do these ice skaters get up on one skate and get around the edge? They've been well. Let me tell you how it. I do that. No. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point, though. Yeah, and 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 so uh, uh, structuring a, a balance exercise as part of your regular exercise program is a really good idea. And um, there are a number of ways to do that. Uh, um, the uh, Center for Disease Control has a magnificent website and a program called Steady S T E A D I, uh, stopping. Elderly uh, 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 injuries and di- disability, and there are videos to uh, look at uh, uh, that uh, demonstrate uh, balance exercises. Uh, balance exercises can also be obtained at uh, YMCA senior centers. Uh, the Minnesota uh, Falls uh, Risk redu- Falls Prevention uh, website has. Uh, Uh, sites available where one can uh, obtain balance exercises. So the more balance exercises possible, and not only for people who have neuropathy, uh, for anybody, balance exercise is a good thing to do. After the
0: break, we're going to give that CDC website again, um, that study website, because that sounds like a good resource for people. We're talking to Dr. Larry Kersner, geriatrician and colleague of mine at HCMC. If you want to see Dr. Kersner, his team, or any of the doctors at HCMC, it's simple to do. The number is 612-873-6963, 612-873-MYMD.
1: Very good. We'll take this break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so stay with us. In the Twin Cities skies, are fair temperature reading 65, but we're heading to 87 later today. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. As you just heard, Dr. Hilden is your host. And, Doctor, for those that maybe have joined us a little bit late, who did you bring with you today?
0: I brought Dr. Larry Kersner, Chief of Geriatric Medicine at HCMC. Uh, we've been talking about falls in the elderly, and we're going to do a little bit more of that. Um, welcome to the show if you're just joining us. We've had a good conversation thus far. We've got lots of text messages and some people on the on the phone lines that we're going to talk to I hope everybody's having a good early summer weekend. A couple bits of housekeeping thing. Um, I promised we'd give that website that Dr. Kersner mentioned um, previously, that Steady program, which gives tips for re- maintaining balance. It's a program through the Centers for Disease Control. And um, if you were wondering what that is, that program is it's at cdc.gov slash steady, but with an I, S T E A D I, cdc.gov slash steady. Also, I'll be putting a blog post up. It's been a little over a week since I've done one, but there will be one in the coming week, and that will be at myhealthymatters.org. You can check into the website that is, that's our our, our sister website that um, for the show. It's real easy, myhealthymatters.org, all one word. And there's lots of posts that I've done um, over the past year and a half, and you can look at old posts. You can listen to podcasts of old shows, including this one, which will be up later today. Um, you can leave me a comment. Um, you can get information about lots of different topics at MyHealthyMatters.org. I'll probably put a picture of Dr. Kersner up there uh, in the coming in the coming days, too. He's smiling. So Dr. Larry Kersner, our chief of geriatrics, we're talking about falls in the elderly, and uh, you were talking about balance, and there are several um, text messages about that, and then we're going to get to you, Bernita, on the line because she's been waiting a long time. But I want to touch touch base on this balance issue. Um, and to help drive that part of the conversation, let me read you. Let me read you what um, Sarah uh, wrote. Sarah is from uh, Champlin, I believe. And let me just get back to here. It says, "I'm sadly having gone through this. Getting them, I assume she means her folks or something, to do what they're supposed to do is darn near impossible. Suddenly, the doctor isn't my boss, and us children, you know, we children don't know anything. Hopefully, when it's our turn, we'll be model patients. Okay. So, how do you get your folks to 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 use a cane or to uh, uh, to to tend to these issues to reduce fall, re- yeah. reduce fall reduction.
2: Well, many many times the uh, people um, uh, do want to uh, participate in balance exercises, falls reduction program, but sometimes people don't. They're fearful that uh, maybe this means I'm getting old myself, and uh, that's a bit of uh, uh, fear and uh, concern. Uh, uh, it, A good evaluation, watching their balance, watching their their walking, Uh, any abnormality in uh, walking uh, 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 might prompt a a further evaluation. Cane sometimes is very useful. Many people uh, uh, feel that cane is needed to support themselves, their weight. But actually a cane can be very useful as a feeler to feel where the floor is. Sort of like the idea when you run down a stairway. Why do you touch the uh, banister on both sides? It's not necessarily to hold your weight, but to give you a better sense of where you are hey, in the environment. You just lightly run, lightly down. run your fingers down the, down the banister, down the, down the handrail. And that, that can be helpful. So okay, why do skiers use their poles when they ski? They're not necessarily using it to support their balance. Certainly the cross-country skiers use it to push, yeah. but uh, downhill skiers use it just to touch the snow and give them a better sense of balance. Mm-hmm. Proper fitting cane becomes important as well. Many people will borrow canes from neighbors or families or pick one up at uh, uh, yard sales. Uh, uh, It should fit properly the hand should be at the level of the hip with the elbow bent approximately 30 degrees. Many times we see the elbow up very high oh, yeah. and the arm up very high. That's way too high or very low and that doesn't fit as well. So, so with so your
0: hand just down to your side, bent a little bent bit, a little bit, right. the cane should be at your hip
2: level. I tell my patients in our falls clinic, I'm like the shoe man. It has to fit properly. <laughs> if it doesn't fit properly, you're not going to like it and you're not going to use it. And very frequently, the most most uh, important thing I can do is to adjust the cane because people come out and say, wow, that feels so much better. Yeah, if it's and the And right then size. they use it.
0: Oh, perfect. Um, and that last text message who told me that, I said that was from Sarah from Champlin. It's from Carol. Carol, thank you for that. One more oh, just on that topic, then we'll go to the phones. There's another one about falls. It says, I'm a senior citizen. I go to many of my grandkids' events. I'm so surprised that most times the gyms do not put handrails on the bleachers. Another thing they do is they have cords running up over the floor to the bleachers. It's all a trip hazard. Yeah. So your environment, that's true. I can just imagine bleachers and yeah. you're going to your grandkids' basketball game.
2: This is one of the items on the uh, Minnesota Falls Prevention website. One of the items is quote, poorly designed public spaces, right. unquote, as a risk factor for falls. Here's, here it is. And so uh, environments and cities and towns um, are working to become more senior friendly. And over time, we will see more of that. And here's an illustration where uh, a better design uh, could be had.
1: All right, let's go to the phone, 651-989-9226. Bernita is calling from uh, New Brighton. Good morning. You're on CCO, Bernita.
3: Oh, Hello. Uh, I really first I want to say I really, really enjoy this program.
0: Thank you, Bernita. I appreciate that.
3: Every week. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm kinda old. I'm eighty three. And that's not put, old. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, I didn't feel old till three or four months ago. Uh-huh. A year ago they put me on a generic and it affected it affected my foot and ankle. It swelled up I Got swollen the next day. And then hardly any, I mean, a few symptoms there, and then the last three or four months, that leg, just that leg, has gotten really bad, heavy, uh, numbness, uh, burning. And I've gone to vascular, neurologist, orthopedic. They think, and then I got my back injected last week, and they think it might be a pinched nerve, and they're talking about gabapentin. And I look at the negative to that medication, and I live alone, and the balance is a little bit off because of the leg symptoms. So it's just wondering, if it was you, uh, Dr. Kirshner, would you take gabapentin?
2: Okay, that's a, that's a great question. Thank you very much. And it's a medication uh, that we do use uh, uh, not infrequently, and it can be very helpful uh, in many circumstances. The key thing for seniors is uh, to start low Low dose and gradually increase slowly. So we used to say, "Start low, go slow." And uh, uh, many times, uh, all medicines, of course, have potential side effects, adverse effects. And when you look at the printouts, uh, it's very scary. The list goes on for for yards and yards of uh, multiple potential. Po- but many people tolerate medicines without any difficulty at all and and experience the beneficial effects. So uh, and
0: Bernita's having trouble with. Neuropathy—it sounds like—or a pinched nerve. Yeah. Gabapentin would be for that.
2: It's maybe not going to be a miracle Pot- for her. potentially. Potentially, it might be might be helpful. Um, I, I, your your situation sounds like it's difficult to diagnose and maybe difficult to treat. But the question was focused on the the gabapentin. Yeah. Uh, would I would I take it and uh, uh, would I recommend it? Uh, uh, if your physicians recommend it, it might be something to consider. But starting with a gradual test dose and go slowly. Because that is one of the medications that has this huge range. And, you know, they say, you know,
0: you can go up to 600, 900 milligrams three times a day. That would be an enormous dose for
2: Bernita. A large, large dose to start out with, though sometimes we do get up to that
0: Yeah, level. but start at a very, sl- very, very small, small dose. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Bernita, thank you for your call. Um uh, a couple other, we have a few more um, hammers over there lining up some some phone calls. I have a few more um, text messages if I could uh, if I could get to here. Um, let's see, the, this one says some older people should move out if they are current out of their current home into a safer home environment. And adult children need to be involved with their parents for productive input. And concerns. What yeah, do you think about that?
2: Complicated, complicated topic. The decision to leave leave one's home, uh, the uh, lifelong memories, the sense of independence is uh, uh, clearly uh, a very important uh, part of uh, people's mental health and uh, and well being. Uh, having said that, many people uh, do need to uh, uh, reside in a setting with more supportive services. Uh, 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 there are increasing services available for people in their, their own homes and own uh, community. It's an individual decision. Sometimes plays out very difficult.
0: Are there services um, readily available or
2: available at all for people to help them stay in their home? A uh, broad range of services. Uh, the Minnesota Board on Aging, uh, Minnesota uh, uh, uh l- 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 Elderly linkage line uh, can be very helpful. Minnesota has a – I understand it is a free uh, one-time home evaluation uh, that can be accessed uh, through uh, uh, the uh, – I believe it's the Board on Aging or or the linkage line to help assess and evaluate what types of services might be available.
1: All right, I know we have to head to a break. We have more show to uh, come, however. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807 before we break.
0: Yeah, let me tell you, there's a lot going on this weekend here in the Twin Cities. If you happen to be in Minneapolis and or St. Paul, the metro area, it's open streets. You maybe heard about it at the news. Uh, earlier today. HCMC will be there. Lindale Avenue around 27th Street. You can meet Bernie, the rescue dog, enjoy some health trivia, some games, learn a little bit more about our Whittier Clinic, which is a fantastic clinic in South Minneapolis. The entirety of Lindale Avenue from 24th to 54th Street will be closed for foot traffic. So come see us at 27th and Lindale.
1: Very good, and we'll head to this break and be right back. 69 degrees currently in the Twin Cities. We're going for 87 later today. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Uh, We're talking, among other things, uh, about concerns about falls in older adults. And as you can see, Dr. Hilton, we have a ton of text messages. We do have a ton of text
0: messages. Thank you, Denny. Dr. Kirzner, uh, I'm going to ask you a few more text messages. Here's one that's very interesting about walk-in tubs. And the question is this. Uh, are walk-in tubs a good thing for the elderly? I have not heard much about them, just see ads. Thinking of getting one for my mom.
2: Well, uh, getting into a tub is a, a difficult situation. Getting the leg up, getting it down over the side, the slips and falls and uh, injuries. Uh, 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 I'm not yeah, sure. it's downright treacherous. Yeah. Um, and uh, walk-in shower, walk-in tub uh, seems like a good idea. Uh, certainly uh, proper safety equipment, grab bars, handrails, and non-slip surface would probably be important. All those are a good good thing, I would imagine. How about this question? Is, it's a little
0: – it's related to aging and more in general. Is a lack of enthusiasm, strength, and endurance necessarily a part of aging? How strenuous should a workout be with weights and stretching, and can it be overdone? Um, Then the text message goes on,
2: but I'll ask you to respond to that part. Complicated, um, but excellent question. Uh, And it touches on a number of things. One is this syndrome of what we call frailty, Mm. decreased uh, weight, uh, energy, how is your energy level, decreased activity, strength, and speed. And so the concept of frailty, there's primary frailty, meaning coming about just from age and secondary from underlying illnesses. So if you're experiencing one of those kinds of problems, probably should have an evaluation to uh, identify uh, causes and possible uh, remedial factors, meaning those things that can be helped uh,
0: the concept of frailty um uh, is an appealing one to me. I remember I gave a talk at a conference, a, a lecture to a bunch of orthopedic surgeons. And the, and the question presented to me as an internist was well, when is it, when is it too old to get a surgery?
2: And what we concluded is that age really isn't the issue, is age it? It's is not frailty the frailty is the that's issue. That's exactly correct. And how we define frailty is a hot topic in medical research, not only for surgical issues, cardiac surgery, other kinds of surgery, other kinds of interventions as well.
0: Yeah, because you can be a young person who's relatively not not so robust, and you can be a person well into your 80s and 90s and be quite robust. These are
2: different states of health, uh, uh, independent of age.
0: Right. Here's one more text message that says about that topic, so I'll read it right now. My 78-year-old mom is very active. She works out at the YMCA and takes her dog on two-mile walks. I get concerned about her slipping and falling on the ice during the winter. Any suggestions to rein in this active mom? Oh, don't rein her.
2: <laughs> don't put her on a short leash. <laughs> I
0: was going to see what the
2: geriatrician said about that. I love this texture.
0: How do I rein in my mom? Maybe you don't want to, but she brings up a point. You
2: know, she, you know she's, but she's working out. She's lifting weights. She's walking. Has she had any falls? Does she have any particular risk? Especially, has she had any falls? Uh, certainly, safety during the winter. Becomes important uh, here in Minnesota. There is a lot of ice and snow. My wife wears uh, uh, grippers when she walks the dog. Really, always very good. Yep. Wow, yeah.
0: that's pretty good. I wipe out a lot, and I'm running on the ice, and I wear my sneakers. And I um, here's a, I uh, do want to read this one. It says, "Don't forget occupational therapists. Yeah. Um, they can be of great
2: assistance in these matters." Absolutely. Um, uh, the occupational therapist deals with upper extremity functioning. Uh, deals with assistive devices as well. So, physical therapy, occupational therapy, all becomes part of the the potential interventions. In our Falls Clinic, we frequently refer people for more detailed. Uh, physical and occupational therapy.
0: We're out of time, but um, you mentioned just real briefly falls clinic a few times. Do you have
2: a clinic just for people who are falling? Yeah. As part of our senior care program, we uh, have a specialty falls clinic where we work through the American Geriatric Society guidelines for falls risk reduction. It's an evidence-based guidelines and uh, for people who've had two or more falls or at risk of falling and uh, uh, it, it, uh, we, we work to decrease falls risk. It's a great program
0: at Geriatrics at HCMC. Um, if, you, if you, your parent, your loved one, your spouse, you need a, you need a geriatrician, our number is easy. It's 612-873-MYMD. 612-873-6963. Or you can always go to hcmc.org for um there's there'll be there's uh, uh you can go to the links to the clinics you can make an appointment and if you're a MyChart member you can make appointments online it's very like hcmc.org or 612 873 six one two eight seven three six three. and I'm going to thank you for being on the show
2: just like that we're no. just about out of time larry well, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks, David.
0: It's been great to have you on. This is Dr. Larry Kersner, our Chief of Geriatric Medicine at HCMC. I hope everybody has a great week, and um, get out to open streets today on Lyndale yeah. Avenue.
1: When does that start?
0: It, you know, I think it starts in just an hour or two. Um, oh, okay. uh, later this morning, it goes on all day. Um, I know there's a lot going on. There's Grand Old Day in St. Paul, but if you're in Minneapolis side, Lindale Avenue from 30th or 24th, to 54th. goes right by my house, actually. But we're going to be at 27th in Lindale.
1: And next week's show is what? We'll do an open line show next week, so get your questions ready about whatever's on your mind. Very good. Thank you very much, both doctors. Uh, And stay tuned next for your money here on 830 WCCO, currently 69 degrees. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.